Support for this podcast is provided by Total Jobs. With a job market that moves quickly, you need your hiring to keep pace. Total Jobs Performance is a new way to hire with the UK's favourite recruitment partner. You name your budget and your audience, and their team of on-hand performance marketing experts use advanced targeting technology to find the people you need when you need them. With real-time campaign tracking, you can dial activity up or down as you see fit. And here's the best bit. You only pay for the applications you want, not just a stream of clicks. Take advantage of Britain's richest database of candidates today and take back control of your hiring. Visit totaljobs.com slash TJP to try Total Jobs Performance today. Rated excellent on Trustpilot. There's been more of scientific discovery, more of technical advancement and material progress in your lifetime and mine than in all the ages of history. Hi everyone, this is Matt Alder. Welcome to episode 355 of the Recruiting Future podcast. There is currently daily speculation about what the future of work will now look like and how employees might be feeling about it. Rather than trading in speculation and assumptions, I wanted to bring you some proper data to help us find out what is actually happening. With that in mind, my guest this week is John Wilson, CEO of Total Jobs. Every year, Total Jobs works with their international partners in the network in conjunction with Boston Consulting to produce the largest survey of employees and job seekers in the world. The latest research is built on data gathered from over 200,000 respondents across 190 countries and looks at the pandemic's impact on employment preferences and global talent mobility trends. Hi, John, and welcome to the podcast. Hey, Matt. How are you? I'm very good, thank you. And it's an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Could you just introduce yourself and tell everyone what you do? Sure. Um, well, my name is John Wilson. I'm the CEO of a company called Total Jobs Group um, in the UK. Um, essentially, we try and help people find a job that fits their life. Uh, we help companies find the talent that they're looking for um, heavily, uh, leverage our personal relationships as well as sophisticated uh, autonomous matching. Um, but interestingly, we're, we're part of a much, much larger group uh, called Stepstone. We have 3,500 employees worldwide. Um, and actually, some of the things that we're talking about today are as a result of another uh, uh, part of our organization called The Network, where essentially we partnered with um, leading online recruitment businesses in 130 countries around the world to make sure that we can solve uh, global hiring needs for for any of our customers, regardless of where they are. You have recently published the latest version of your global talent survey, and we want to sort of dig into some of the findings in our conversation. But 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 by way by way of introduction, just tell us about the global talent survey. What is it, and how do you produce it? Yeah, so we work with our partners in the Boston Consulting Group, um, and this study. Um, essentially is the world's largest study of workers. Um, we started back in 2006 and we had 21,000 contributors to that survey um, right up to the present day where uh, we recently finished uh, this current survey in March um, where we canvassed over 200,000 
responses in 120 or 190 countries worldwide. So it really is a very in-depth um, view of how people are thinking about their work life. Um, so I would I would certainly encourage people to just Google search for the Global Talent Survey. You'll find it. Uh, there's a number of different reports there, uh, and read at your leisure. Now, there, there probably couldn't be a more kind of interesting and, and crucial time to find out what's going on in the world of work and and how people are sort of viewing viewing employment. So, I think the people listening will find the key findings kind of absolutely fascinating because they cover a lot of the the issues that are that are kind of live and being discussed right now. Just to sort of break them down a bit, maybe let's start by talking about remote working because that's uh, you know that's been the, one of the biggest topics of the of the of the last sort of sixteen months or so what proportion of the the people sort of who filled in the survey are actually working are actually working remotely yeah well interestingly before the covid crisis uh began about 30 percent of people will would have said that they work fully or partially remote uh, across the globe um and actually what we see now um, in the advent of, of lockdowns, et cetera, globally, that that's raised to just over 50% um, of the global workforce essentially working totally or partly from, uh, from a remote location. So it's, it's a significant... Uh, it's a significant number of people. Yeah, I mean that's an ing- I mean it's an incredible statistic. It's something that if we went back two years ago, it would be utterly unimaginable. But but I suppose it, it kind of takes me to to my next question, which is uh, again the thing that everyone's discussing at the moment. I mean, is remote working set to continue after the pandemic? We hear from a lot of employers in terms of what they're going to do, you know, sending people back to the office or being forever work anywhere. What do the actual employees think? Well, I, th- I think. Uh, I think it's this is a, a really interesting time that we're living in. And I definitely think that not every, well, in fact, none of us have it all figured out for sure. Um, and it's a pretty fluid situation. Um, but actually, when you speak to people, like they're pretty firm in, in what their beliefs are, are right now. And 89% of people, um, they expect their job to either be fully or partially remote um, once COVID-19 restrictions ease. So you know, for a lot of us, perception equals reality. If this is what people are thinking, this is this is a real, um, uh, it's a it's a real kind of problem to be tackled. And I think for companies, it, it's about like let's be open to what does that mean, but also be fluid in terms that the uh, the picture is changing quite regularly. And like I mentioned at the beginning, no one has it all um, figured out. Um, I think. You know, realistically, you know, this hybrid working model that a lot of us are actually moving into now, some of the restrictions ease, would seem to be um, something that most companies are embracing. Um, I think about 59% of workers um, in the UK, um, they're calling for more flexible hours as well as like the flexible time and actually more ownership over their routine as well. And I think that's something critical to say it's okay to say let's have part remote part in the office but actually it's that ownership over your routine that one creates a challenge for companies to be able to manage but it's what seems to be adding the value that um, employees are seeing with uh, that expectation Um, it's particularly true for women actually who are calling for more flexibility than uh, their male colleagues 
but they're also less likely than men to want to work fully remote. Um, and I think, you know, there's a, there's a number of things that kind of come up significantly when people think about, you know, what's most important for them in their roles right now. And it's like good relationships with your colleagues, um, a good relationship with your boss. Um, and then this work-life balance, which um, I think means different things for different people, but it really speaks to that hybrid working model where, you know, you have room to be productive in your job and then also room to, to manage the, the real-life kind of challenges that we all have outside of the office. Now, one of the big advantages or seeming advantages of um, remote work that has been talked about talked about a lot as this 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 you know this concept of of work from anywhere roles where people can be based in one country and be be working in another country is that something that's actually happening or, or likely to become a trend? Well, so yes it is happening. I mean, I would say it's early days. Um, there's uh, examples where this type of opportunity represents an, an opportunity for employers. Um, you can see that for a long time, there have been skill shortages in most companies. In the UK, before the pandemic, you know, 75% of businesses have reported that they struggle to hire the talent that their business needs. So you have a problem looking for a solution. Obviously, in the past year, we've been able to show that it's possible to work fully remotely um, in a lot of our roles. So surely there is an opportunity there for companies to be able um, to, to make use of that. Um, research shows that about 57% of people in the world, they are willing to work remotely and for an employer in a different country. So the opportunity is certainly there. Uh, so I think that the ground is fertile for that. Obviously, it throws up challenges for employers too. And I think it's like, how how easy is it to overcome these challenges then will feed into how likely is it that we'll see uh, work from anywhere roles being more prevalent in the uh, in the world, and I think that's interesting because people don't very often talk about the the significant challenges of of doing something like this. What would you think it means for employers and and businesses who are who are looking to to sort of recruit a internationally distributed workforce? I think if you're going to if you're going to make this a part of how you run your business, then uh, there a, a number of things come up straight away. Is thinking about how do you adapt your EVP for uh, uh, candidates that are living in other countries, perhaps countries where you have no footprint, uh, no brand equity. Um, you know, that, that's, a, that's a real challenge that will come up as a result of potentially seeking hires uh, in a work anywhere world. Um, and then also you kind of think, well, uh, cultural differences, legal differences, um, uh, expectation differences that happen for employees in different parts of the world. So likely we're going to need to be thinking about, well, how do we specialize HR uh, and thinking about that international uh, remote work? How do we integrate those people um, alongside on-site staff? How do you develop a sense of togetherness? So so I think to some degree we've, we've managed through the pandemic and, and come up with um, solutions for that. But if it's part of how you're going to work long term, then it needs to be more embedded into how the business operates. Clearly, thinking about how 
you use digital tools to drive productivity, communication, et cetera, um, is going to be critical. And then obviously then there's the, the benchmarking about actually how do you make sure that um, you're uh, paying the right salaries across different locations to ensure that you do see the benefits of that whilst also taking on the additional workload that it's going to mean. But you uh, obviously get to fill those skill gaps that you have um, whilst also being able to uh, potentially make it more effective from a financial point of view. I mean, I think there's loads of interesting uh, points there, but I suppose just picking up on the the, the integrating workers, the sense of togetherness, the, the employee experience. What's the survey saying in terms of how people, what has people's employee experience been like through the pandemic? And has that changed what's important to them about their job? Yeah, I mean, obviously we get a lot of data through the survey and, and running an organization ourselves here is you see and speak uh, to your people all of the time. Um, it, I guess it, when we think about like what are the people saying in the survey, it's important to understand that when we think about things like productivity, um, what we're talking about is not an objective measure, but it is about how do people feel about their productivity. And I think, uh, not I think, the data shows that 70% of people say that they're equally productive or more productive working at home. Um, a lot talk about the extra time that they're able to have because they're not commuting and they're able to make sure that they meet deadlines, they got a little bit more headspace to think, um, and they can do the necessary admin that sits around their role. So there's definitely some benefits there. And I think when you have engaged employees and they do use that time to actually make sure that they that they get their job done, uh, as it were. Um, but critically, and it's probably not very surprising, um, people really do miss um, customer interactions, so like physical meetings, um, getting together with colleagues, you know, that incidental information that you get from your peers when you're working together, you hear what's going on, you understand challenges or solutions that people are dealing with. Um, and obviously, uh, emails and video calls seem to clog our diaries. And also, it means that those incidental moments are not happening, you know, that uh, bumping into someone at the water machine or the coffee machine, that doesn't happen. And I don't know if you've experienced this, Matt, but whenever you want to have a conversation with someone, you've got to set a bit of time in your diary. And, and that means that uh, those incidentals are not happening. So people really do miss that element of interaction. So I think it also shows that there's very much a, a place for working remote, but there's absolutely a place for um, working with colleagues um, in an office environment as well. Yeah, I mean, absolutely, and I think that that's what everyone's kind of been been missing those those kind of more informal conversations. And, and to, to be honest with you, just the social contact of being with people um, who are outside of your household. Um, so yeah, it's 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 going to be really interesting to see to see how that kind of pans out. You spoke earlier earlier about how a rise in flexible working would would be would be beneficial to to, to women in particular. It's very clear that diversity, equity, and inclusion has been been huge discussion topics uh, amongst employers in the last 12 months what are, what are job seekers and employees saying about it yeah look i think um the the research is is showing that this is a, a major um uh, concern is not the right word but but it's it's a major issue for people and it's also um 
critical when people are making decisions about where they work is what is their company, what is their potential employer doing um, when we look at issues of diversity, equity, and inclusion. So we see that 51% of people say they wouldn't even apply for a job um, for, with a company whose policies don't apply or don't align with their uh, their own values when it comes to DE&I. So that's, that's significant, which means that one, as an employer, um, not only do you need to be doing the work within your own business, but you need to be able to talk to uh, potential employees about that. Um, we actually see a similar amount of uh, people saying that sustainability is also something that they take into account. So some of those environmental issues. And we know from thinking about the same challenges within our own organization, and we kind of think about uh, employer value proposition, we think about diversity and equity inclusion. And, and for me, to have an EVP, you've got to be valuable to your employees. And, and what does that mean? It means that for us, it's about kind of listening to um, to what they're saying so that we can align our business values with our people. But I think also understanding that that everybody who works in your organization has a, has a stake in the business. You know, most companies listen to their shareholders. So uh, we do the same with our employees here and make sure that uh, our ERGs are heavily supported with uh, frontline management so that those changes that are taking place in our society, those ideas that are um, gaining interest within our staff become ways of working within our organization. And so that when someone applies for a job here and they say, well, what are you doing about that? Actually, it's, it's not really about what are we doing to help attract people. It's what are we doing um, to help make this a great place to work for our staff. And I think that if you start from the inside out, it gives you the opportunity to, to make sure that you can appeal to that 51% of um, uh, people who, who really need to align on this. Obviously, d digital transformation has been a, a massive theme and whole industries changing and, and, and jobs changing. And that's obviously has an impact on on, on, uh, on people and the, the jobs that they do. What about the jobs that people are looking for, the jobs that they're doing? Are people open to reskilling? Are they thinking about sort of changing careers? Yeah, we, we see a, a significant rise in that, actually. I think a lot of uh, people that are in either low-skilled or entry-level roles were the first people to be impacted by lockdowns. A lot of these are, are traditionally in the service industry or the hospitality industry. You see a high number of people that are actively looking to, to retrain. Um, interestingly, we also have about 40% of people that are actually concerned about automation during the pandemic. So obviously technology is stepping in to solve some of the issues that we have um, when it comes to uh, amendments that we've had to make to our business through uh, through COVID restrictions, and actually see that even more prevalent for for younger people, forty six percent of those people in their twenties. So so people are definitely worried about it. And actually, when you look um, at well, what jobs are people doing that have the highest concern? It's actually in, in industries like finance and insurance and telecoms. Those are um, uh, those tend to be industries where people do think about um, the automation side of things, as well as services and retail. So I think that um, when you think 
One, what are people concerned about when it comes to automation? That's that's where it lends in and the technology that we've used over the last year is kind of driving some of that. But then also you kind of think, well, um, who are those putting their hands up to say they're more willing to retrain? And those are areas, like I mentioned, that, that may have been impacted more heavily through lockdown. So we see it in hospitality. We see it in cleaning, manufacturing, customer service. People in those roles um, certainly have much, much more appetite for for reskilling. So as a final question, it, it's obviously very difficult to, to, to make predictions, particularly when we've had such seismic shifts in, in work and employment um, over the, the last 18 months. But w- what do you think we're likely to see as the, the key trends and the, the key talking points over the next sort of year, year and a half? Um, I'd probably think about breaking it into to a couple of chunks, really. If, if I think about employment, um, a lot of what we've discussed uh, in, in the past few minutes um, is going to be pro- uh, prominent. I think betting in remote working and new hybrid models um, is going to be challenging, difficult, rewarding. Uh, we're going to make mistakes. You know, there, there's, a, there's a lot that's going to happen there. And I think that's going to occupy um, uh, a lot of the conversation. Um, and I think, you know, many of us got used to working full-time remote because we were forced to. So for employers, managing the shift um, to a mix is going to be key, not only uh, for retention, but also productivity, which is, uh, which is critical for business. And then that kind of leads into like the, the L&D strategy that businesses have is obviously we want to retain key talent but we also need to be able to harness the opportunity that's offered by people who are looking to change their careers and um, come from uh, untapped talent pools. Um, You may see uh, recently that actually when we look at um, people's willingness to move right now, you know, the the global search volume for for jobs is actually lower than we would expect, particularly in, in the market that we're in, which really just puts more emphasis on businesses to make sure that they're thinking about how they not only support the staff that they have, but think about tapping into those um, uh, additional pools. It also then leads into, well, actually, um, more broadly, like how do we think about how we want to recruit um, and like what technology are we going to use or or what methods are we going to use to help us um, stand out, particularly like in a market that we have today where You obviously have a lot of business opening up um, and there's still confidence yet to creep into the candidate market. So standing out um, in a competitive uh, arena is a challenge for businesses. Um, The research that we see um, on our own um, platform is that um, businesses are exploring new ways and new methods um, of recruiting. Either Um, They're looking for flexibility based on whatever needs that they have at the time. Clearly, the last year has been a big shock. So so businesses need to be able to flex with that. I think that's going to be important. Um, I think speed to hire is also critical as people are looking to accelerate out of the pandemic. So things like, you know, using AI and autonomous matching to help find talent quickly. um, It's obviously something that that perhaps uh, more uh, unique to total jobs. But then also thinking about actually... How do we save time in and around, say, first interviews and screening by using like a mix of live or automated video interviews to really help um, with that flow through when we are looking to uh, to hire new talent? 
And critically, like we talked about a little bit earlier, that diversity, equity, and inclusion is actually how do you action your strategy that says, I want to recruit from a more diverse talent pool. And I think companies uh, with the ability to help um, support those strategies uh, will see kind of more action around that area. But I think it's going to be more critical for businesses to really have a um, a strategy and how they're going to execute there as well. So hopefully that's maybe covered um, uh, a number of the points, but I think we're, we're right at that inflection point right now where um, uh, we're going to see some interesting moves from companies across the world. So I'm looking forward to seeing how we all react to it. And uh, just as a kind of an extra final question, is that what are you doing as a as a, sort of a vendor to the industry to support the way that things are changing? So I think um, across Total Jobs, we've, uh, like many businesses, been listening to the challenges that our customers have. So a number of things where, for instance, I talked about flexibility a little bit uh, earlier, is um, Total Jobs has moved away significantly from being like a traditional job board where you purchase a number of ads and you use them over the year. I think those days uh, have moved on and some of our customers need to be able to hire very strategically. So we have a performance-based product, perhaps where you only pay for the applications that you receive. And of course, you can start and stop that um, as and when you need to. We also have a, a number of products to help organizations with their DEI strategy, where we're able to, to create diverse candidate pools for those companies um, that are looking to, to to target there. And what we've seen is that um, being able to offer those innovative solutions um, helps other businesses, one, see the uh, companies like Total Jobs significantly beyond the job board. So as we move into different performance-based products, different interviewing products, um, and, and the ability to help customers meet their goals, it really is um, stretching us to make sure that we create the right products that, that meet those needs. And uh, like I say, uh, there's, a, there's a range of those that have, that have helped customers through this period um, and will help um, as we move into to growth for most businesses this year. John, thank you very much for talking to me. Thank you, Matt. My thanks to John Wilson. You can subscribe to this podcast in Apple Podcasts, on Spotify or via your podcasting app of choice. Please also follow the show on Instagram. You can find us by searching for Recruiting Future. You can search all the past episodes at recruitingfuture.com. On that site, you can also subscribe to the mailing list to get the inside track about everything that's coming up on the show. Thanks very much for listening. I'll be back next time and I hope you'll join me. This is my show.